0: The Oklahoma City Thunder were able to flip the switch in this game against the Toronto Raptors. Josh Giddy plays so well in the second half. What does this game mean moving forward for this Thunder team? We'll talk about it all on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get it going on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. I am your host, media member, and beat writer for InsideTheThunder dot com. Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at lo Thunder Pod and go check out InsideTheThunder Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. For you every single day, including on YouTube, which is awesome uh, for this show. This game was special. And this show is brought to you by our good friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the most qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply this game was not going the way of Oklahoma city early. They, they, they did not have the intensity needed to play a Toronto Raptors team. That was very well coached and could really execute their game plan. You saw how physical they were being with SGA early without fouling, uh, you know, for the most part, obviously only getting eight total free throws is not going to be ideal for Oklahoma city. And they should have had more free throws than that. And Mark even voiced his displeasure with that post game, but regardless, for the most part, they did a really good job of not fouling SGA whenever they were trapping him and blitzing him uh, and sitting double teams to him. And, you know, it took a while for this team to adjust. And really, it took a while for shots to go in. And like, that's the bottom line. It's a make or miss league. So when the shots aren't going in, all all of a sudden, everything is uh, wrong and everything's terrible. When the shots start going in, they made some grand adjustment. In reality. I think that a a majority of it, sure, that yes, they did adjust. They did play really well. A majority of it was that they got some really good shots uh, in this game early, some good shot quality that just did not fall. And, uh, you know, the the threes that they were generating were not hitting. And then you get behind by 23 points uh, and and you just see uh, a a game that was not up to your snuff on the defensive end, and it all kind of compounds upon itself. I I think that uh, the, the testament to the Thunder team is that, Their shots weren't falling early; like they were doing everything right, and they weren't being rewarded for it in the sense of generating good shots. Those, uh, you know, just did not go into the basket. Then their secondary unit, of course, takes a step back offensively without J. Dub, without Isaiah Joe. Then the third quarter, they come out there trying to punch the Raptors in the mouth, and instead, they get down even further. So you think about all that went against them: no Jalen Williams, no Isaiah Joe, Kason Wallace leaves, you know, you know, midway through this game with an injury and did not return this one so you're down three of your most important rotational players in this contest and you're still able to get a win from being down 23 points uh, seeing 13 ties and nine lead changes it included a 19 to 2 run and you saw the resiliency of the thunder and the the ability for the thunder to just flip that switch and get back you know hanging their hat defensively they did not play Uh, you know, a good enough defense in the first quarter, really in the first half. They had some sloppy mistakes with the basketball. They had some sloppy mistakes, uh, you know, just kind of as transitional defenders, some sloppy mistakes in the half court, point of attack stuff. That was not great on an island. And whenever you look at this team, their ability to fight through all of that and flip that switch is so important because every good team has that ability Every good team needs it. Every good team is resilient and doesn't fold under these scenarios or pack it in, or, as Mark put it, you know the team chemistry. It's easy to highlight that whenever the Thunder are having these barking post game interviews with Nick Gallo and they're posting on instagram and they're and they're liking and tweeting and and everything else that they do on social media uh, to each other. But the real testament to their team chemistry is what Mark said after the game, whenever he pointed out that this group, whenever they face adversities like this, where shots aren't falling, the game's not going their way, they get down big, and they made two or three pushes, and it still not only didn't get them closer, but got them further apart. They don't point fingers. They don't get frustrated with each other. They still have that self-sufficient confidence in themselves, but also that confidence in their teammates. And I think that uh, you've seen that throughout the season, the confidence that they give each other whenever someone is struggling, whenever someone uh, isn't playing well. They still trust them and make the right plays. Right? They don't freeze anybody out. They don't look off players just because they've missed a few shots in a row. And in the end, it builds and builds and builds to get to this point. And I get it. You want to play great basketball for 82 games. And in those 82 games, you want to play great basketball for 42, uh, 48 minutes a night. I understand that. But the reality is you're not going to. The reality is you're going to have to have games like this, where you don't have your best game, where... Things are breaking against you, where injuries pile up. Again, three of your best rotational players did not finish this game. Two of them didn't even start the game or play a single second in the game. And still, you're able to get a win. That's what separates the good teams from the great teams, the good teams from the bad teams. That's the separating factor, is can you get it done? Anyone can get it done when you're shooting 50% from three and 60% from the floor and, and, and a billion points in the paint and everything's breaking even. It's the teams that can win a rock fight. It's the teams that can win from behind. It's the teams that can win in a multitude of ways. And at each point throughout the season, the Thunder have shown you that ability. They've shown you that they can maintain leads and blow teams out which was rocky at the beginning of the season, remember, but that was a lesson they've learned since then, and they've gotten really better, you know, much better at. They've shown that they can come from behind win games. They've shown that they can keep up with high-scoring offenses and good shooting teams. They've shown that whenever their shots aren't falling, they can just grind and gut a game out, continue to fight their guts out for 48 minutes and get a win. They've been able to, you know, play well and, and, and win games whenever each individual star doesn't have it, they've been able to win in so many different ways that this is exactly the kind of stuff you say about contenders. This is exactly the kind of stuff you say about some of the best teams in the NBA. And the only knock on them is they're an experience because there's no perfect team, right? I hear you right now screaming about size and rebounding, uh, but There is no perfect team. There's not a single team, even the Boston Celtics, who I hold in high regard as being the best team in the NBA this year, even they are not a perfect NBA team. Even they have things that they want to go address uh, in the future, either the deadline or in the summer or whatever. They have shortcomings. So you're never going to build this immaculate perfect roster. But you can build a roster that's good enough, and you can build a roster that can fight through some of their limitations And take those limitations and make them into positives, as the Thunder can do, uh, and they have done this year. They turn this lack of size or whatever into an advantage for them winning games and flustering teams by playing smaller, by being annoying defensively and versatile and switchable defensively, and make their only on-court deficiency into an advantage more often than not. And then you can talk about their age, which they can't control. Again, they can't go rewrite their birth certificates. They can't add games to their basketball reference website page. And I don't believe that come April 1st, the Thunder and this collective talented group is going to say, well, it's April. You know what that means. We're too young. We can't play good basketball anymore. And games like tonight show why this team can be so successful. I know it was against the Raptors. But independent of opponent, look at what you can just go down the list. Look what Mark did. Like This game shows what Mark is capable of. And again, do not overthink Mark Dignall. Don't do it. Everyone in the NBA, publicly, privately, players, coaches, assistant coaches, scouts, front office people, media people, Anyone you talk to that's associated at all with the NBA will tell you that he's one of the very best coaches that this league has. Don't overthink it. And this game was on full display of why that is. How many ATOs did he draw up that were just perfect And of the bounce plays that he had that was just perfect for this team and dire and need of buckets. You saw rotationally what the postseason will look like whenever you factor in into, like when you factor in that the, the Thunder did not have Jada, did not have Isaiah Joe, and for parts of this game, you know, for that for half of this game, Not have Casey Wallace. When you factor those three things in, what more could he have done rotationally? Sure, Josh Giddy struggled in the first half. Guess who didn't start the second half? Josh Giddy didn't. Right? He made that adjustment and then got Josh Giddy back in the game and it sparked Josh Giddey into having a a phenomenal game that we're going to talk about pretty soon. So rotationally, he handled everything the best you can under these circumstances. We know what he can do as a creative mind to create an advantage on both ends of the floor with his schematics. And I think that just the poise that he has is so uncommon. How often do you see coaches fly off the handle and make problems worse for their team? You just saw it in Oklahoma City, folks, a couple weeks ago. whenever Chauncey Billups gets hit with a technical foul. And then a second one. And gifts the Thunder a game down the stretch. Now, the Thunder could have very well still earned that win without the technical fouls, but those technical fouls certainly helped the cause. They gave away a free point and then gave the best coach in the NBA, you know, at, at ATOs and side out of bound plays to draw one up. You know, I could have given away two free points because, but SGA split the difference on the technical foul free throw. So you, you see that happen. And then there was another play where it a, it's an emotionally charged spot in the game. The Thunder are making uh, this this big run. They're back in the game. The crowd's back into it. Everything's on fire. And then Lutort steps in, gets hit with the blocking foul. The entire building is coming undone on what a what a play that I think was a good call to call that a blocking foul on Dort. And Mark never even checks with the sidelines hardly. Never even questions it for a minute. He understands the situation. He understands that yeah, that's that's going to be a block, and even if it's iffy. They're not going to change their initial call on the floor. So he pockets that challenge, doesn't use it. So many coaches would rush that situation to, to use that challenge and and to get outside of themselves in that moment. He doesn't do that. He understands it's a good call. And the, in that scenario, sure, you might've because we've seen some wacky things on replay this year and last year, but you, you know, you might've got that call overturned in all likelihood, though, you would not have. And in that scenario, being able to have a timeout to advance the ball or get you out of a sticky situation is so much more valuable than an iffy challenge that could go either way. And in this case, I think that it would have gone against the Thunder wholeheartedly. So you saw the poise that he had. And the kind of maturity of Mark, we talk a lot about the maturity of the team, the maturity of Mark to be able to handle scenarios like this is so impressive. That team fought for 48 minutes. And since Mark's been here, even with lackluster rosters, to put it kindly, the only thing that, you know, the, the, the one thing you can hang your hat on throughout those, you know, 20 something win seasons was that each night they fought. And each night they were competing for that guy. Look around these other tanking teams like, like Detroit for a main example. Those guys aren't fighting for Monty Williams. That's no offense to to Detroit, but the, the the stark difference, you know, in, in, in the competitive nature, of what those Thunder teams were versus what some of these teams are, like Charlotte, like Detroit, is striking. So, in the midst of getting down twenty three points to a team that you're supposed to beat on paper, last game of a home stand, and you and you want to make a statement in this game to win it. And, and have a great homestand wrapped up with three wins out of four. You get down 23 points, the the nature of never panicking or going in there and being out of character, you know, ripping the guys and, and, and being too emotional in this setting, that goes a long way too in mounting comebacks, forgetting about the X's and O's for a second. And I, I just also love this use of timeouts too, of, of you know, he's quick to, to use them. Uh, at times to, to try to study and, and, and stop the bleeding. And I think that some coaches wait too long to call timeouts. You know, I, I know that he uses them kind of fast at times. I mean, they had the a game earlier this year where he only had two, so like a quarter left, but at the end of the day, there's no guarantee. If you don't call those timeouts and don't get things straightened out, there's no guarantee you live to see the timeouts come to fruition at the end of the game. You're fighting for that right, right now. So I think that from from top to bottom, that Mark handled this game, that the players handle this game. It just continues to show you that this is what contending teams do. And if the only knock on this team is that they're young, it's not a very good knock. Because the only thing you're hoping to make that true, that statement true, would be all of a sudden in April they just can't play basketball. And I don't think that that's going to happen. Especially with how uncommon this team is, you know, mentally how common this team is, you know, maturity wise. You got to feel pretty good at this point. You know fifty games in is one of those markers, you know twenty games in, fifty games in. It's one of those markers that people look at. and one of those markers that that indicate what a team is. And sure, it doesn't have to look pretty or smooth and sometimes it can look ugly. But at the end of the day, the thunder are the top seed in the West, and they've faced every challenge head on, and they've proven to be one of the best teams. I think that whenever you only follow one team, it gets easy to, look inward almost too much of like looking at your own team too much and, and, and diagnosing every little tiny detail that they do wrong. Whenever you got to take a step back, take, take a step back sometimes and realize none of these 30 teams are perfect. None of these 30 teams are without flaw or without faults or without question marks. If it was, you know, if they were, there'd be no point to, to, to finish out the season, but the Thunder have done everything that they possibly can to put themselves in prime position. To be among the best in the NBA, and that's where they currently sit. We'll talk about this game uh, more as well because we gotta get to Wiggins, you've got to get to Josh Giddy and more. But first, want to say right now, my good friends, over at LinkedIn. Check out LinkedIn.com/slash locked on NBA. Folks, LinkedIn.com is awesome for you, and it's where you can go to post your job for free because you know when you're hiring for your small business. You want to find a qualified professional that's right for your role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn does not just uh, throw your your job onto a job board and, and hope for the best. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which allows you to have the best place to get your hire. It gives you access to professionals that can be found any that cannot be found anywhere else linkedin does all of that while making the hiring process easy and intuitive hiring is easy whenever you go and find the qualified candidates faster which you can do at linkedin it's so easy in fact that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours linkedin knows the small businesses Means that you know you're wearing many a hats, and that you do not have time for uh, you know a rigorous hiring process and review uh, in the sense of like searching. You need to just find those candidates to get that process going and easier right now, and you can do that at LinkedIn, which has been for 2.5 million small businesses uh, a, a great place to use for hiring. So go we'll check out today. Post your job for free at linkedincom nba That's LinkedIn.com/lockedonnba uh, to get started today. Terms and conditions, of course, do apply. Also want to say right now about our good friends over at BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp today uh, because, you know, it, it can really, really help you. Sometimes, you know, we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest, no matter if it's big or small. You know, it, certain things can really start to get to you and fester within you, and it's important. Again, even if it's something minute, those things can turn into big things if you don't just let it out. And so, Whenever you go and you're able to talk to someone who's unbiased in your life and kind of give you a clear picture and work through some things with you, it can really, really help you. I want you to uh, really say how you feel about something and and do that to someone who, you know, is there to listen for you and help you through those issues. And it can really help to do that with someone who is unbiased again, which is what therapy, uh, you know, is there for, for you to really take you to that next step, the next level upon Uh, What you're looking for, and so it can really, really help you. And if you've been thinking about uh, trying therapy, and you've kind of stopped yourself, like, oh goodness, you know, I I don't have time to to go to a brick and mortar building and figure things out. Uh, I've got a job and a family and responsibilities, and the only time I can do it is is this small window where maybe they're not even you know available to you at at a more uh, traditional building. That's why BetterHelp is so great because it's entirely online and it's entirely fitting around your schedule. So go check it out today uh, at BetterHelp. That's h e l p dot com slash lockedinmba. That's BetterHelp h e l p dot uh, com slash lockedinmba. You get ten percent off of your first month. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day we're here for you talking thunder basketball. So the thunder you know, survived the sloppy first uh, where they got down by 10. Uh, but ultimately things did not really steady for them until midway through the third quarter. When they go on a 19 to two run uh, to get within six to start the fourth quarter. Another thing that Mark did well, he started SGA to start the fourth quarter in this game uh, and, and it worked out for them for the better. And so even with the struggling secondary scoring w- without J-Dub. Uh, and of course, you know that the that the value you lose whenever you don't have Isaiah Joe, both ends, by the way, defensively and offensively was huge. And Casey Wallace uh, left this game, but they were able to overcome it. At the end of the day, the Thunder shot 47% from the floor, 36% from three, and they made all eight of their free throws. Uh, they were uh, out-rebounded by just uh, five in this game. And the second chance points were pretty even as well. In fact, the Thunder won second chance points, 22 to 19. Uh, the Thunder lost points in the paint, 60 to 52, and lost fast break points. So a little bit of a script flip on that side of things for Oklahoma City. Now, Toronto did put up 47, 40, and 81 shooting splits. A lot of that was banked, of course, uh, in the first three quarters before the Thunder really buckled down and got things going. Let's talk Josh Giddy. Speaking of getting things going, Josh Giddy. Was able to really play to the identity of this game a little bit. Where the first half, you know, it wasn't as though it was all terrible, but the first half, two for five shooting, uh, he he had two rebounds and and three assists, but two turnovers uh, in this game. I, I thought that his first half was not great because mainly of when the shots aren't falling, uh, it's easier and easier and easier to kind of play off of him and, and 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 create spacing issues. There were some things that he did well in the first in the first uh half though. Running the floor in transition to get that finish at the rim. That was really good. Uh and, and then you know he had a play where he, he did his job. He stayed in front of Scotty Barnes who was giving him some shaky shake and bake at the elbow uh and didn't let Scotty Barnes get to a spot was going to force a dribble pickup. And that's whenever SGA came crashing down and at that time they let up an open three but that was no fault of Josh Giddy's own and it was actually rather impressive uh, to see him see him stay in front of uh, Scotty Barnes, which is a bit of foreshadowing to what he was going to do in the second half where he played with much, much, much better uh, intensity and engagement and activity. Now, he did get benched to start the second half. And human nature is just going to tell you that, uh, oh, well, that's exactly what woke him up. That's exactly what um, um, got him going. Look, I, I don't I don't pretend to know that. I, I'm not inside the mind of a Josh Giddey. But uh, it certainly is a coincidence that like he, he got benched. So to say, I think that that might have just been trying the, the bigger lineup with J. Will and Chet, which worked so well Wednesday. Trying that again uh, today, and it just so happened to be the start of the second half. But nonetheless, Josh he did get benched uh, to start the second half, and then came back and played his best basketball uh, of the season. He went six for eight shooting, two for four from three. He soared in for you know uh, three rebounds in the second half alone, uh, three assists in the second half alone, two blocks, and sixteen points, including an emphatic and one. He was a plus fifteen in this game for OKC. The the, the and one was really the, the icing on the cake, and you saw him step to the crowd and and let out a lot of emotion. And he talked after the game about how this was an energy uh, booster and confidence booster for him. He plays 41 minutes tonight in double overtime. The Thunder, you watch him put up 24 points, six assists, and six rebounds with two blocks and uh, two turnovers as well in this game. Four for four from the free throw line and three for six from three. Now look, I think that this is, you know, a embodiment of what we've discussed on this show. I think that, you know, personally, I think that we've been very fair to Joshi on the show. Whenever he's done some good things, he's done some bad things on the court. When you look at this game, this was what was being discussed on the show. You know, six of his 15 shots came from three. He ends up hitting a couple of them, but he gets to the rim and gets there with a purpose which gets him four free throws. And something that he's discussed as well uh, is that, you know, even going back to, to August in FIBA, he discussed that his big difference is going to be getting downhill, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, getting to the line separates players. And in this game, he went four for four and had half the team's free throws. But just the sheer ability to leave his mark at the rim is what really helps him unlock more of that game. Because let's be honest, like Josh Giddy. Best case scenario, hoping he goes three for six or three for eight or you know four for eight, whatever, defenses are gonna give away those points. We saw that for the Thunder against uh, Minnesota. Whenever he starts three for three, it does not change how they defend him one iota. He's gonna to have to learn to adjust to this stuff, and he did in this game in the second half. It is one good game, though. He's got to build upon this. But I think that you know, you can go back and listen to his press conference and especially uh, the answer that I tweeted out uh, to make it easy for you, but he summarized his season perfectly. Like he is a 21 year old who is having to deal with uh, different defensive coverages than he's ever had to deal with. He's also having to deal with uh, sacrifices and playing next to guys and changing his role. And, you know, I know that, you know, the Josh city topic is a very hot one, but let's face the facts here. This is a 21 year old who every year of his NBA career, not only changed countries as a rookie, uh, but also, every year he's changed roles and has been on a totally different team identity-wise all three years. And some years changed on the fly for Josh Skiddy. And I, I think that it's it's interesting also to note that you know there was no JTUB in this game, and Josh Giddy was able to have his best game ever. How does he how does he work around and fit when everyone it's all hands on deck? But this was a really good sign, you know, and we knew. You know, as observers of the game, that Josh Giddey still is a talented player, the question's always been the fit on Oklahoma City this year, not if there's any talent whatsoever in Josh Giddey. And he showed that talent in this game. But a 50-game sample size, you know, while it feels significant, having watched every single game and lived and died with the results, it's not that huge. It's been, it's been largely bad for Josh Giddey, frankly, you know, th- th- those 50 games but it's still not a large enough sample size to make sweeping, sweeping, sweeping statements. You can make some good assumptions, like this might not be the best avenue for Josh Skiddy. This might not be the best play style and scheme and fit for Josh Skiddy to maximize his NBA career. That's just the facts. And you can listen to someone who's very, very close with him uh, and and an Australian basketball legend who has great ties to the family discuss that same thing. Andrew Gates said the same thing in, uh, in Australia. Over the last week, I think that gets a little bit taken out of context because he's mainly just discussing him as a basketball entity of like, hey, this might not be the best fit uh, for for Josh Giddey in in Oklahoma City. But it's also not to the point where it's for sure you got to give up type thing. It's just at a point where you can start to make the hypothesis, the scientific process. We've now gotten enough information to form a hypothesis. Let's see throughout the scientific process if that hypothesis is right or wrong. But there's no question that this is the best game of Josh Giddy's season. There's also no question that it was one game. And so the proof's going to end up being in the pudding whenever everyone's back and healthy, and uh, there's still another whole half of the year to go. There's still the postseason to go, which is where things really uh, intensify, obviously. But no matter what your opinion of Josh Giddy is to this point, you have to give him credit for being so good in this game. He was a driving force in this comeback. And you don't make that comeback in this game without Josh Kiddy. He was awesome tonight um, and and really got it going. I think that it's first half, of course had some issues. It was largely overblown because of the compounding problem, which we talked about Sunday of like when things start to, to go negatively, people have some crutches to lean on. Uh, but Overall, this was a really good game from Josh Giddey. Overall, the context of this season still really matters for Josh Giddey. And that still doesn't uh, change the fact that you're allowed to have hypothesis about how this is going to go. But we'll see how things pan out. But Josh Giddey just deserves all the credit in the world for how he played in this game and especially attacked downhill and got to the rim and forced contact at the rim to get calls and get there uh, for four free throw attempts. The N one. Was just great for him, and, and you could, you know. Again, I I hate to, to say things like this because we don't factually know what's inside their mind, but given his reaction after the N one bucket, it appeared that it was really a huge confidence booster, a huge you know. I don't know if you want to call it sigh of relief, but just a huge like okay, you know th- this is what it feels like. It's kind of it's kind of like whatever guys are sh- you know shooting the ball poorly uh throughout a game like really really good shooters are shooting the ball poorly and everyone talks about how you don't to you don't want to let them see one go in you don't want to let them see a free throw go in you don't want to let them see a, a a shot at the at the uh end of a buzzer you know a meaningless shot there or a shot before a timeout go in because you don't want them to get hot after seeing that it kind of felt like you kind of saw one go down tonight and the and the one that went down was a good game within this roster construction within this style and with these guys, because. To the Thunder's credit, they didn't change who they were throughout the course of this game. It's not as though Josh Giddey had this really good game because they played a different style tonight. They played Thunder basketball. And in fact, they didn't start going on their run and playing successful basketball until they got back to playing Thunder basketball of swarming everywhere, playing with energy, playing versatile, playing in the passing lanes. Everybody's a playmaker pushing the pace and doing all those things very well. The one thing about Josh Giddy is that he's going to have to tap into and find out how to bring that level of intensity and engagement for 48 minutes. Or, or you know, of course, in an individual's case, for the length of time you're, you're going to play, 24 to 30 minutes a night. So you know, th- that would be interesting to see him stack upon this. With some with some interesting challenges, too. You know, Utah on on Tuesday, forgetting about the altitude and being on the road. Utah, you know, ha- has shot blockers and has the ability when healthy. Uh, to deter you at the rim. You know, Dallas, Derek Lively has been a really, really, really good rim protector, and they're a really tough team. And then against the Sacramento, I believe it is on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. Like, those, It's going to be interesting to see if you can stack this and, and build on this. So Josh Giddey, to his credit, played really well. Let's talk about Aaron Wiggins. Can't go any further without talking Wiggins. And this was the Locked on Thunder Super Bowl, whenever Aaron Wiggins was playing so well, 20 points in this one, six rebounds, two assists. He goes four for 11 total from three and shoots 47% from the floor total. But you shift that into just the second half. You saw the third quarter of his especially go on fire. In the second half, he goes three for seven from three, uh, puts up 15 of those points, four rebounds and an assist. And then in overtime, he was crucial as well. Like this doesn't even factor in how good he was defensively uh, in overtime whenever he got to play those four minutes. I'm sorry, seven minutes in overtime. Uh, and then in the second half, he played really good basketball and set the tone and brought the juice. And he didn't just bring like a Capri Sun. Aaron Wiggins brought a gallon of juice. And those are the kind of guys that you need. It's been why I've been the biggest advocate for playing here in Wiggins has been because this is a guy who's never failed to bring intensity. He's never failed to bring a spark spark. And he's never failed to bring good, high quality basketball. He's always, always, always done those things. i given never give him the chance. And he did it again tonight. And it led to a 23 point comeback, which will be one of the most fun games of the season in double overtime um, against the Raptors. We'll talk more about this game coming up at first Wednesday, right now, but got friends over at FanDuel folks, it's the best week of the year to be going over to FanDuel because it is Super Bowl week. Happy Super Bowl season to all that celebrate. It's America's number one sports book, and you can go make some super bets on Super Bowl Sunday whenever you go and find your best seat on the couch, grab your favorite snacks, and go to Fandle.com and make some super bets at FanDuel. You can do uh, spreads, player props, over-unders, parlays, and guess what? New customers, you'll get $200 in bonus bets. $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Check them out today. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Again, you can go make some wild bets on the Super Bowl of all different interesting things. You can also, though, if you're just an NBA person, go bet on the NBA. The Mavericks are one point dogs in Philadelphia. No embiat. Obviously, he's out for he's out for a significant amount of time. You can go eat that up if you want to at Fandle.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Lou Dort caught fire in this game from three. Finishes five for 12 from beyond the arc, but a lot of that damage happened late in this game right when the Thunder needed it. Chet Holmgren goes four for 10 from three. Uh, the, the, you know This game was really an embodiment of their resiliency and their ability to fight through some adversity. Kenny Hustle was a plus 16 in a game where you got down 23 points and were, and were only able to win uh, 135 to 127 in double overtime and just survive the Toronto Raptors. Overall, a game where you know, SGA plays nearly 50 minutes, play 47, uh, and, and all that goes into a game like this, you could not leave this game feeling displeased with Oklahoma city. And we asked for your Twitter reactions. That's what we're going to get to right now. Uh, Thunder OG says, Andrew Wiggins should start. He should certainly, this is a common theme. He should certainly play a heck of a lot more. Uh, And he has been playing a heck of a lot more, by the way, uh, since we've been uh, talking about the subject. So I think that that is a narrative that like, again, could soon be put to bed. Because uh, he has been playing a lot more. He has been a consistent part of the rotation. Uh, so I think that as long as that continues, uh, things are going perfectly as he saves basketball uh, and specifically saves this game. Uh, Josh Skiddy was leading scorer tonight, as Andrew Baxter points out. Uh, very cool for him, again, just to see a game like this happen for himself, happen for the team, uh, and and really helped them get a massive win. Uh, Zach Smith says time and time again Oklahoma City finds a way to win marks the best coach making adjustments after halftime uh and uh still keeping it going hopefully Wallace will be okay and has a fast recovery Yeah, no no update on casey wallace uh, to be fair you know no one was no one asked about uh casey wallace update post game there was a lot of other stuff to discuss uh, post game uh, the injury report will come out like always tomorrow and we'll, we'll see at that point but he did leave the game with a uh, with an injury in this one Uh, Michael says that the team system is real. Uh, They've mastered the process of the offense as well as defensive schemes. Uh, They keep uh, putting, you know, they keep putting it on teams in waves and flurries and it will add up uh, and make sure that they, you know, take care of things in transition where they really got going later in this game. Yeah. The the, the Thunder have a really interesting style and an adaptable style. A lot of teams can only play one way. They can only play if they're shooting 40% from three or better. The Thunder are not a one way type of team and that's what separates them. Uh, Lizard King says, "Lizard King, that's a good one. Amazing win. You won't find many teams with the same mentality as the Thunder, especially at their age. Special group. Could not agree more with that. Oklahoma City underscore br hoops. Like the Lakers, Raptors threw some bodies in the paint and forced a lot of threes from Oklahoma City. But this time, the Thunder were able to. Uh, they're able to play through that, and SGA was able to help facilitate things tonight. Career high for him." 14 assists from SGA. Uh, It's another win and another scenario that this team looks ready for in a postseason series. Yeah. I mean, it is a make or miss league. And this game, when you were missing a lot, you got down 23 and you'd get down 23 to anybody. If, if you were being forced to kick out to open three point shooters, those open three point shooters missed. I don't care if you're playing the, the Teddy Roosevelt elementary school, fifth grade team, you're going to get down 23. Or at least at least not have a lot of success offensively. You might be able to defend some fifth graders, I'd hope. But other than that, you know, you get down if you can't make your open shots. And that was a lot of what was happening for the Thunder in those tough stretches. So, uh, overall, obviously you guys had a lot of great reactions to this game, and deservedly so. Mainly that Aaron Wiggins saved basketball. He certainly saved this podcast tonight. What a what a podcast it would be if if this game continued to trend the way it was trending. Uh it would not have been very fun for for uh, breaking down this specific game. Now, still with this win, Mark does not get to coach the All Star team because the tiebreakers are different in the All Star game. Chris Finch, despite being in second place in the Western Conference, will be the coach because for conference coaching, All All Star coaching it's always a weird way to phrase this. For to be able to coach the All Star game. You have to be the top team in the West. And if the tiebreakers, you know, are not broken by head to head, it moves on to your conference record. And it makes sense because you're coaching your conference. You got the best conference record. And Chris does have a better conference record than Oklahoma City. Now, this is where the confusion happens. For postseason seeding and for who gets the number one overall seed in the playoffs, if it ended today, it would be Oklahoma City because of the for postseason seeding, it goes head to head. It goes, of course, overall record. If it's still tied, it goes head to head, and then it goes divisional record instead of conference record. So there's the clear up on that confusion. Both teams got to win tonight, which meant that Minnesota, despite them being tied, will head to uh, Indianapolis. We're also going to head to Indianapolis. It'll be a lot of fun uh, to have. So follow along for that as well. And we're going to head to the trade deadline week, one of the funnest, busiest, interestingest. Is that a word interestingest? Times of the year. Very special guest on tomorrow's show. Michael Martin will join us on Tuesday. What we're going to do is discuss some favorite trade targets, but also this is where you come in. It's your show as well. After all, send us in your fake trades on YouTube comments or on Twitter. We will look at them. We will grade them. We will react to them. So send them in at Ryland underscore styles on Twitter uh, and also on YouTube, Lockdown Thunder YouTube comment section. Uh, and we will react to them and and see what we would grade these hypothetical trades. And of course, we have you covered throughout the week. Wednesday, going to recap that jazz um, contest. Thursday, and a whole a whole trade deadline primer with the latest rumors and latest uh, stories. And then of course, on Thursday evening, breaking down whatever happened at the deadline uh, as necessary, and so on and so forth. So, going to be a lot of fun. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And until tomorrow. Be good. Be good to one another. A hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.